This is Clinical Pearls. This is my most personal and passionate podcast yet. I have bad news, but I have even better good news. This podcast will be different than my usual. As you know, we usually pick some current or controversial topic in obstetrics and gynecology, and we occasionally throw in some remarkable aspect in medicine's past. But in this episode, I want to share something much more personal. Why? Well, because of a recent news article regarding physician well-being, and I'll get to that in a minute, and because around this time of the year, we will soon have brand new clinical medical students, Residents will soon begin their new level of training, and residents which just graduated are becoming brand new independent physicians. This is the perfect time to share with you three powerful truths that I've used for over 20 years and have forever changed me. Now, trust me, these truths are not mine. These have been tested through history, been preserved through centuries, and are still relevant and applicable today. I warn you, if you listen to these and apply these, you won't be the same. Listen, the bad news, which I'm about to share with you, will just not apply to you. And I'm willing to share with you some personal obstacles that should have taken me out a long time ago, but I refused to let that happen. All right. Well, what's the bad news? Let's get to that next. On May 23, 2019, a CNBC news article had the following title, Doctors have the highest suicide rates among any profession in the U.S. Here was the study and the news brief takeaway. The rigorous work schedules and pressures U.S. doctors face have them, quote, stressed to the point of breaking, end quote, and struggling with the highest suicide rate among any profession. Main reasons identified were workload burdens, work inefficiency, lack of meaning in work, and problems with work-home balance. This article stated that the suicide rate for male physicians was 1.41 times higher than the general male population, and for female physicians, it was 2.27 times higher than the general female population. However, that article got some information wrong. The issue at hand is not long hours or busy schedules. That's a cop-out. Those are just triggers. Those are external factors. The real issue is how we, as physicians, as people, respond to those triggers. The real root of the issue can be wrapped up in one word, hopelessness. You see, after a series of, well, let's just say unfortunate events in my life, I made a decision within my mind that I would not be captive to failure, I would not succumb to hopelessness, and I would not just survive through life, but thrive medical school, and postgraduate training do an incredible job keeping us up to date at the latest pathophysiological mechanisms, new medical breakthroughs, and advancing surgical techniques. But traditional medical curricula has failed to prepare us with keys to cope with hardships, not only in our discipline, but in life in general. 
Listen, let's be honest. Life is really hard and it can suck at times. But if we don't have the tools to successfully navigate those seasons, hopelessness will latch onto us like a parasite. In obstetrics and gynecology, we will deal with the death of a child in the womb. Mothers die from complications of labor. We have patients in a terminal gynecological condition due to some form of cancer. Yes, in addition to life's regular stresses, our job can push us to the ropes of the ring if we let it. So let me be very clear. I'm not diminishing any sort of tragedy. Tragedies happen. Heartbreak is real. And disappointments are almost guaranteed in life. None of us are immune. But how we respond to those events, that will determine whether we will be hopeful or hopeless. I learned this as an early adolescence when tragedy shook my life. More on that in just a bit. Well, all right, let's get on with our three principles proven throughout the ages, and I hope that they will encourage you as they have encouraged me even daily still today. So here they are. The three principles proven by history are, number one, you have to train your thoughts to be positive. Listen, that's the whole basis of cognitive behavioral psychology, and it's real. Listen, I grew up in the 90s, and I remember a skit from Saturday Night Live where Stuart Smalley would give positive affirmations, and they were hilarious. However, as we all know, true satire is funny because at the root of the humor lies a bit of truth. Well, in just a bit, we will cover what the field of neuroscience has affirmed regarding our thought processes. It's surprising. So if you were to open up my phone and open up the notes section, you'd find a laundry list of positive and encouraging quotes from antiquity to the president, from Emperor Marcus Aurelius to John Gordon, author of The Energy Bus. I'll get into this in just a little bit more because that's the whole topic of session one, which is this podcast. Remember, studies have found many health problems related to stress and negative thought processes. Stress seems to worsen or increase the risk of obesity, heart disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, depression, GI problems, and even asthma. We can take control of these by starting with our thought process. Remember, that's the whole birth and the whole foundation of the movement called mindfulness. The second principle is that we have to challenge ourselves. Lack of challenge leads to the mundane, to boredom, and to the routine. Always look for opportunities to grow. If you fail, then fail daringly, as Theodore Roosevelt famously said. We'll get into principle two in another podcast. And the third principle is to never let your passion fade. If you don't know what your passion is, then find it immediately. Now, your job choice may or may not be your passion, but you need to find that first. For example, my passion is teaching the art and the practice of medicine. I've been given the heart of a teacher and it wakes me up in the morning. It keeps me going. Teaching medicine makes me feel fulfilled. Practicing medicine is simply the vehicle I use to follow my passion.
Okay, time for transparency. It's good to say that we can just resist things, right? Especially when you think that your speaker hasn't gone through anything. Well, here's our personal perspective. I know we've all had our issues in life, our struggles, and our disappointments. No one is exempt. That's part of, well, life. And I'm thankful for where I am now. I've been given opportunities that I could never have dreamed of when I was in my darkest hours because of perseverance and encouragement from close friends and mentors People who believed in me even when I didn't. People who told me to fight the battle first in my thought life because I listened. I have done what my heart had previously only dreamed of. And trust me, I'm not done yet. My vision is higher than my past or any present accomplishment. I've had the incredible opportunity to teach medicine and surgical techniques across the globe from Norway to South Africa, from Spain, France, and the Netherlands to Israel and the UAE, to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I cherish those events in my life, but all were possible because I believed that I could do those despite thoughts that kept telling me that I couldn't. Many years ago, I made this pact with myself at a time of greatest loss in my life that I don't want to just survive life, but I wanted to thrive in life. And I want that for you too. At the age of 13, my father lost his battle to cancer. It was a time when children were not permitted into cancer wards, so I didn't have the opportunity to say goodbye. My father was a good man, and it devastated me. This tragedy didn't come alone. It brought friends along for the ride. Stress of her husband's death caused my mother's previously hidden and undiagnosed psychological affliction to unmask, and it exploded. From the age of 13 well into college, I witnessed several failed attempts at suicide from her. Each one struck me to my core. I felt unloved. I felt abandoned by her attempts to choose death over her children. And I felt unworthy of true parental protection and guidance. Still, today, thoughts of insecurity try to take root. But that's a no-go for me. From that time, I began to appear in my life when I was just angry, not really knowing what I was angry about. Those personal feelings of insecurity and hopelessness always tried to tell me that I wouldn't make it. But it was good friends, mentors, supporters who came alongside me and spoke life to me that gave me those principles rooted in history that got me to where I am today. My math teacher in 7th and 8th grade, Mr. Nemesio Garcia back in Laredo, to Mr. Claudio Perez, my freshman college biology professor, to Dr. Gonzalo Venegas, my first boss out of residency, Dr. Donald Blair, a mentor and an encourager, and family and friends who always spoke encouragement even when I didn't feel like I wanted to be encouraged. They affirmed my worth and confirmed my life's purpose. All of them helped to change and mold my mindset. And of course, my wife, who is still my biggest confidant and my supporter. And I still look, I still seek out and follow the mentorship of true positive leaders. Like now, General Joe Ramirez, who's commandant of Texas A&M Corps of Cadets. These are still shaping and encouraging and building my future. You see, a key to having a positive mindset is to surround yourself with positive people. People who are negative are a dime a dozen, but you have to run from them. They're a cancer on the human will. John Gordon calls them the energy vampires. So run, run away. Han Hansen also wrote, 
people will inspire you or drain you. So you can choose wisely. Steve Maribali also stated very well that those with the perpetual victim mentality will continue to create situations from which they will suffer. That's well said. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, let's figure out how to put principle one into action. You have to make up your mind to stay positive. The truth is, if you think you're going to be defeated, you'll be right 100% of the time. Retraining your thoughts is not ignoring terrible events or simply looking the other way. That's avoidance. That's denial. But the next time you're having a bad day or a negative reaction to something, don't ignore those emotions just to put on a happy face. Instead, accept the way that you feel as legitimate. Identify why you're feeling that way and deal with it head on. Then realize that you have a choice, defeat mentality or victory mentality. Think of the placebo effect in clinical trials. Why do some people get better on placebos? It's because they believe they're getting medicine and their own body produces positive results. It's all in the mind. Your thoughts form your character, how you operate in the world, how far you travel mentally, physically, and spiritually. You are what you think. And all of your actions proceed from your thought. Your inner thoughts will always be reflected in your outer circumstances because self-generated changes in your life are always preceded by changes in the way you think about something. Now listen, neuroscience research has studied the effect of right and wrong thinking on our brain chemistry. As far as the brain, Every thought releases brain chemicals. Being focused on negative thoughts effectively saps the brain of its positive forces. It slows it down and can go as far as dimming your brain's ability to function, even creating depression. Now, on the flip side, thinking positive, happy, or hopeful, or optimistic thoughts decreases cortisol and produces serotonin, which creates a sense of well-being. Remember, that's the whole premise of the science of biofeedback. This helps our brain functions at peak capacity. Neuroscientists have discovered that people who have a more cheerful disposition and are more prone to optimism generally have higher activity occurring in their left prefrontal cortex. This is the foundation of the newly developed field of medicine called mind-body medicine. Okay, on another personal note, I have been encouraged, molded, and influenced, and led, in addition to my personal faith, by great speakers and authors who have encouraged millions of people. Leslie Brown, Norman Vincent Peale, John Rowe, Zig Ziglar, John Gordon, and Stephen R. Covey. Not only have I read their books on self-determination, leadership, and self-responsibility, I listen to them as one of my choice of podcasts at least three times a week. Even early literary geniuses knew these truths. On your thought life, Emerson declared an incredible truth. They conquer who believe they can. 
Now, let's take a look at history. Norman Vincent Peale records a historical fact of when Stonewall Jackson planned a daring attack. One of his generals fearfully objected, saying, I'm afraid of this or I fear that. Putting his hand on his timorous subordinate's shoulder, Jackson said, General, never take counsel of your fears. So let's go back a few centuries from there to Marcus Aurelius, the prominent and noteworthy Roman emperor and philosopher who reigned from 160 to 180 AD. Aurelius's writings deal with the battle for victory in your own mind before any external victory could even occur. He wrote, you have power over your mind, not outside events, and the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. Listen, the motivational speaker Les Brown says it well, in life, you are going to fall. It's for sure. However, when you fall, try to fall on your back because if you can look up, then you can get up. Your thought life will manifest in your physical life. Even the verse says, as a man thinks, so is he. All right, so the news article from CNBC dealing with physician hopelessness. Now you can see why it's not a result of external forces, but internal ones. As Winston Churchill stated, when there is no enemy within... The enemies outside cannot hurt you. If you follow my Facebook page, you know I often post positive quotes from historical leaders. Now, I do that not for your encouragement alone, but for mine. Those are great reminders that life can suck, but we don't have to be taken out. We can win, we can grow, and we can thrive even during adversity. Now, let's review another example to prove this from history. The movie Unbroken depicts the incredible true story of Louis Zamperini. He qualified for the 1936 Olympics. Now, when World War II breaks out, Louis enlists in the military. Now, after his plane crashes in the Pacific, he survives an incredible 47 days adrift in a raft until he's captured by the Japanese Navy. He's sent to a prisoner of war camp, and Louis becomes the favorite target of a particularly cruel prison commander. Now, despite incredible obstacles, abuse, and torture, Louis survived. He survived not by physical endurance, but by his mental endurance. Similarly, when Viktor Frankl was taken to a Nazi concentration camp, he protected his thoughts, his mind, and his will by continuing to treat patients while a camp prisoner. Not only did he survive unbearable horrors, he became the father of future psychiatric theory. Why? Why did these two and countless others in history survive such surmounting hardships? Well, the answer is very simple. They won the battle in their mind first. They refused to be beaten in their thoughts, in their will, and they thrived. Look, no one is perfect, and we are all going to have bad days. Trust me, it's hard to be positive at 3 in the morning after I've been up for 14 hours and I'm running low on coffee. But we all have a choice. We can choose to be unhappy, or we can choose to be thankful and positive. So what's the data regarding gratitude and thankfulness? Let's talk about that as we wrap up the podcast next. After 15 years of research, we know that gratitude is a key to psychological well-being. Gratitude can make people happier, improve relationships, and potentially even counteract depression 
depression, and suicidal thoughts. This line of research began in 1995 when a study found that people who felt appreciated have improved heart rate variability, an indicator of good heart health. In a more recent study, women who kept a gratitude journal where they wrote about previous unappreciated people and things in their lives for two weeks ended up with lower blood pressure than those who wrote about just normal daily events. Just do a Medline search or a less scientific Google search on this topic and you will find countless articles showing the link between our gratitude, our thankfulness, our thought processes, and even our health. Remember, Zig Ziglar famously stated, it's not your aptitude, but your attitude that determines your altitude. All right, so there you have it. Although the CNBC article is doom and gloom, and it can be, well, reality for some, there's my first principle on how to thrive. It boils down to this. When I'm taking my final breath, I want to be able to confidently declare that I've been the best father, husband, leader, and worker that I could possibly be. I don't want my life to be ordinary but extraordinary. So I hope this podcast has encouraged you. We'll leave principle two and principle three for another podcast. Thanks for listening to Clinical Pearls.